that's probably one of my biggest complaints about just any food that is done is done poorly. And by that, I mean, like, if you go to a restaurant and you order a hamburger, that hamburger is going to come out and it's going to have no taste whatsoever. Everybody's got these menus now where they got eight different hamburgers and it's got an egg on it, it's got bacon on it, it's got onion rings on it, it's got all this shit on it. But when you strip it all off, that burger tastes like ass. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's, it's it is. The I, like terrible. The ones that you, the ones that instantly come to my mind are like Applebee's, Chili's, yeah, those kind of restaurants where you go and they got yeah all those different kinds of burgers. You take everything off, you eat the burger with just cheese. It's terrible. Yeah, because they don't season it. They literally take out a hunk of meat. Comes the patties come, they throw it on, they sear you know sear one side, sear the other, and that's it. That, that's all they do. And it's like. If I'm going to make a burger, like, I'm going to season it as I'm making the patties. And then... Got to get a good crust on there. Yeah. And then, uh, honestly, Smash if you make a good are... burger... Oh, so, I've got a, I got a Blackstone. Sora and I both have Blackstones now. And there is nothing better than... Um, uh, what's the bacon, the bacon fat? Uh, uh, bacon up. Bacon up, yep. Oh, my gosh. You throw bacon up on and then do smash burgers and get double two patties, crust both sides, stack them with a slice of cheese between them. Oh, my gosh. Pickles and mustard, that's like... Now, you don't want to eat that every night, probably. That's probably not... But that is damn good. All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk. What happens in the barn stays in the barn. What happens at the barn stays in the barn until now. We're going to let it all out for you guys. Kind of butchered that a little bit. It's, it's been a while. I last excited. I was excited. I'm pretty amped. It's been a while since we hopped on the pod, and I've been kind of dropping the ball on saying our saying every episode, so I'm trying to get back into routine, but I butchered that one. Maybe next week I'll do it better, but today we're going to do some Q&A, and for a long time, every time we ask you guys to submit your questions in, we're like, oh, we're going to put an Instagram story and then ask you guys, or we're going to put it on YouTube, and there you guys can submit your questions. But we're going to change it up so it's just a consistent, steady place that you can submit your questions. So if you guys have any questions that you want us to answer, submit them to barntalkshow at gmail.com. I'll say it again, barntalkshow at gmail.com. Submit all your questions there because... That's where we'll draw the questions from because it's too much trying to post a poll on YouTube, post a poll on Instagram, hope that people see it, and then I get questions or I get comments, people saying, oh, we didn't see it or we did see it, and then it's no, just a, sh- it's just a shit show. It's not organized, so we're going to just barntalkshow at gmail.com. That's where you can submit your questions is, in at. Is that all lowercase? All lowercase. No caps, no capitals in the email, barntalkshow at gmail.com, so... That is where you can submit your questions. We got some good ones for today. Um, but before we get into all that, pay the fee, guys. If you get any value from the show, share it. Share it out with your friends, coworkers, family, uh, employees, whoever. I'm trying to do some good in this world, as you guys know. And I know a lot of you have been doing that, so we really appreciate the ones that have. Keep re- re- keep leaving your reviews on Spotify and Apple. We're up to like 307 on Spotify, which is awesome. And we're up to 140 
on Apple. So continue yeah, to submit those reviews. That really, really helps us out a lot. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's crazy how far we've come so in such a short amount of time. So it's it's starting to build momentum, I think, though. More and more people are getting the message and people are receiving the podcast. So we we love seeing that. So keep doing that, guys. We really appreciate it. That's the ticket to admission to watch or listen to the show is sharing it. So or leaving a review, whatever you want to do. Or both if you're feeling up to it. Yeah. So knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Anything helps. You got a good old market update for us? I do have the market update hot off the press. And so uh, this is this is midday, so prices could change. Um, most of the markets grain-wise are down today. Um, so my close, my cash prices are from yesterday, and those obviously will be lower today, but I don't know what they, I don't know what they'll end up at. But um, corn on the board was 664. It was down about 11 cents when I checked. Um, yesterday's hot local price was Eddyville, and they had 773, so they must have really needed some corn. So you can figure at least 11 cents off of that. Beans, 1484 on the board, and 16 at the river, and it doesn't matter whether you drive across to the uh, Illinois side, still only 16, so uh, save your gas and don't, don't drive over there. Bean meal, <clears throat> bean meal was actually up uh, when I looked. Everything else was down, but bean meal was uh, up, and it was 460 a ton. Wheat, 795. Actually, I think wheat was up a little bit, too. Um, cattle, 143. Hogs are $90. And I don't know what's going on with the hog market. Um, guess we need to get Jim Long on here and have him try to explain, although I don't think that – I don't think he knows because slaughter numbers are down and um, cost of production around the world is really, really high. So – it doesn't bode well for anybody that is trying to make a buck raising pigs. And with feed prices the way they are, I don't know, it's tough sledding. But, yeah, so hogs were down 90 bucks. Oil's $87. Um, gold, seventeen oh eight. Silver, I didn't get a good price on silver. I think it's about 18 bucks. I saw one quote, it was 17 something. Bitcoin uh, is right about twenty thousand, but it was down. It got down all the way to like nineteen thousand three hundred, bounced up to twenty two thousand. Um, can't it doesn't seem to want to get out of that trading range. One thing that's really interesting about Bitcoin is the percentage of coin that is off the exchanges. In other words, people have transferred it into private wallets is I think just about the highest that it's ever been. And so you would think that over time of that kind of action, uh, supply would get very tight because when that when you move it to a hardware wallet, a private uh, a private wallet, obviously it's not on the exchange and it can't be traded. And those people that are doing that, obviously they're not planning on selling. So you would think that that would start to move supply tight and we would get a bounce off of Bitcoin, but we haven't gotten it yet. So uh, Ethereum's 1529, and we don't talk much about Ethereum, and one of these days I'll do a deep dive about it, but they just changed their protocol from proof of work to proof of state, which is a more energy efficient way to, I'm right on this, to... Uh, state or stake? Proof of stake. In other words... Um, proof that you're use uh, how you're using Ethereum. I think um, so. Proof of work 
was basically they were mining Ethereum similar to Bitcoin, um, and they moved away from that to proof of stake, which is where you actually take the Ethereum and you're using it on the chain, and the more you do that, the more you can get some money off of it. I honestly, I'm kind of talking off my ass, so I don't really know. I just know that it's different, and there was a big brouhaha about it, but um, I think it's been going pretty positive, and the adoption of Ethereum is, it's, Ethereum is used on an awful lot of uh, projects out there, and so um, it's actually been trading higher. I mean, it's 1529, and it got up to like 1750, I think, but it's, it's definitely moving up. Tesla, $267. Now, before you panic that is after the split so it split three for one here on the 25th so i thought it was two for one it's three, three for, for one, one. yeah wow. three for one so um your if you're you know if take that number times three and that would get you to the price of what it was and that price is actually after a was that a five for one split they did back in the day i think it was five for so one. you have to take today's number times three and take that number times five and that'll give you what for reference over the life of tesla what the share price is actually unsplit yeah um and there's a lot of reasons why they did that but it's trading down along with the rest of the market and a lot of uncertainty and uh ai day is coming up in september and then um the master plan, Elon's master plan, part three, is about a couple weeks out. I think that that's going to have an awful lot to do with uh, batteries because... What's the master plan called? Uh, I think it's just called master plan part three because he did a master plan. That's what the day's two. called? That's what the event's called? No, it's not even a, an event. He's going to just release it on... He'll just release it on Twitter. Tesla's website or on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we could get into the whole Twitter thing, too, but we'll save that for another. I think Elon's case in the district court or the business court of Delaware got a lot stronger over the last couple weeks because they had the guy that was the former head of security for Twitter that Jack Dorsey hired. um, He was fired not too long after Jack moved out of the uh, chairmanship role, and he just kept an awful lot of documents and released them and... Uh, filed for immunity under a whistleblower act that um, got passed a few years ago, and he has a lot of not very nice things to say about Twitter management, which I think um, goes along with Elon's um, filing as to why he didn't think that he should be held to buying Twitter, which he wants to buy it. It's just he wants to buy it for a cheaper price than what it was originally uh, agreed to because um, it's a lot of shady shit. Yeah, there's a lot of shady shit going on in there, and uh, we might get into that later. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. If not, um, we'll get into another episode. Yeah, that's that's about it for the markets. Today. Well, I figured I'd re- read a, uh, a couple reviews here. Ooh, we'll I do like one these. good one and one bad one that we receive because I like to shout out people that leave us good reviews. Um, so, Jake Brake. And there's a shitload of numbers after this. We'll just say Jake Break 7 Doing great with the show for sure. Just found you sh- found the show out about a week ago and love every bit of it. Keep up the awesome work. Well, thanks, Jake. We appreciate it, dude. Thank you for leaving a review. Keep leaving those reviews, guys. 
And then, you know, every time we do a political episode, they're one of our best episodes as far as the positive feedback we receive. But that's also where we receive all of our negative feedback. The only bad reviews we've ever received on this on Apple and or Spotify is uh, because we got political. But we think it's important. And every single time we do an episode about politics, we always say in, in the beginning, we're going to talk about politics. So if you're going to get your feelings hurt and you're going to get butt hurt, this isn't the one for you. But people still watch it, so they know that they're going to get butt hurt. But uh, somebody, this is the title of this review, Not Much Barn Talk. Came to the show seeking beneficial a- agricultural info. Sadly, just a couple of right-wing Republicans spooting off their opinions. Gosh, that hurt. <sighs> yeah, it does. Really hits me in the heart. But, you know, you're not going to please everybody, and we know that. But, I mean, the thing that I hate about this review is just we got a million other episodes you could have listened to that talk about ag strictly, but you yeah. picked one, and then that's why you're going to leave me a one-star review. Leave us a one-star review. They're just they're just pissy people out there. But you know what? All the guys that receive, all the guys that leave awesome reviews, we really appreciate it. It's it's really nice to see that numbers growing, and we love hearing from you guys the feedback because that lets us know we're doing stuff right, and we'll just keep doing it. So thank you. Yeah, and you know we could uh, we could sit here and be very. Um, very not share our opinions. I mean, I feel like that's basically the reason why people enjoy listening to us is because we kind of say what we think about subjects, and we certainly don't agree with uh, everything on either side of the political spectrum. I would say we're, in our mind, we're we're probably more right than left, but we're definitely don't give the people on the right a uh, hall pass because if you've heard me say this once you've heard me say it 10 times that uh your politicians both left and right are failing you miserably and I don't have a very high opinion of any of them so um but that's fine um I just think like what would what's interesting to listen to like what what media is interesting to listen to if the people that are giving you that information are just skewed well are just trying to walk trying to not offend anybody, which in today's world, I mean, that's that's what happens. These, So many of these companies and so many of these media outlets, they want to, unless they're blatantly, you know, leftist, whatever, but they're just trying to, like, please everybody all the time, which, in fact, what happens is you don't please anybody, and you don't, you're, you serve no purpose. Like, there's no, what's the ROI on that? Nothing. If it doesn't challenge you to think for yourself, um, then why, why, why take it? Why? Well, and you don't know if it's, if it's the truth because are you feeding me something that's going to make me? Are you feeding me something that's skewed in a way that it's not going to hurt my feelings? Because that's how you want to portray your media, or is it actually the truth? And you're going to yeah. tell us the actual truth. Yeah. Nobody's been actually telling us the truth for a long, long time, and I think people are sick of it. And that's why we'd like to tell our tell our truth. We just like sharing what we think truthfully and honestly, and we don't care what anybody thinks. We're just going to put it out there and let you guys decide. Yeah. That's that's the beautiful thing about the age we live in. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast, and he was talking about, you know, he went, got kind of put through the – put through the grinder on his decision to not be vaccinated. And um, Joe 
made the comment about um, what people think, and Aaron Rodgers, I thought he had a very thoughtful response to that, and he said that, he said, I don't think that people do think. In other words, Mm. he said, I don't think today the majority of people actually don't think for themselves, and that's the problem is they just take whatever is told to them at face value and say, oh, yeah, that must be right. They don't question. In other words, as a society, we are getting, well, we're getting dumber because we just take what people tell us as being, oh, well, that must be right because I Whatever saw Whatever government TV. tells you or CNN tells you or Fox News tell you, you just take it for face yeah. what it, what it that's is. A, that's a bad place because one thing I'll tell you, anything that we tell you on here, uh, don't take our word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Dig it up. And yeah. Be your own. You have to be your own. You know, people a lot of times talk about in the medical, uh, you know, you have to be your own advocate uh, when it comes to taking care of your health. Well, you have to be your own advocate when it comes to taking care of your... Receiving information. Yeah, everything in your life. Because you can't put your faith in uh, news outlets or, you know, us. You can't. You need to check it out and make sure that, you know, what we're telling you checks out with your filter and uh there needs to be a lot more of that not a lot less than that and i think our our elected officials would like for us all to do less of that they would like us to take everything at face value but we need to uh go the other way and question everything i think there's a lot of people out there i don't know that might think that they they think all a lot of people or most people are good which i think most people are good but those people in power politicians a lot of elite people running the world. If you think that those people really care about your your well-being and you don't think they have a motive behind what they're telling you, like, if that's just not, if that hasn't been, evi- you know, like the last three years, the evidence that we've seen that we were told for how to, how to live our lives, everything got shut down, all that. If that isn't proof to you that what they, they tell have- you isn't always what it, sh- what it should be or the way it should be. I don't know what to, I don't know what to yeah. say. I don't know what, I don't know what to do to change your mind on that because that was the most evidence I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I don't know, maybe in your life too. I, too. I mean, it's coming out now. CDC is completely, uh, just, you know, un- it's not the unvaccinated, um, it's narrative. not, yeah, it's not the unvaccinated, unvaccinated narrative anymore it's not the uh pandemic of the unvaccinated it's now if you're unvaccinated it doesn't matter we don't have to wear these masks anymore like all the people that weren't vaccinated were saying from the very beginning and yeah. it's a fuck it was a fucking money grab and it was a i mean it's gonna go down as one of the biggest scams in american history if if they write it in that i mean yeah. i'm not saying it wasn't a disease and there wasn't people affected and families affected by it i'm not saying that but to the level that they fired that thing up i mean guys you you when it first came out we all know we saw tv footage of they were showing us footage of dead bodies getting loaded up in boats and by the truckloads and people were dying they, it was like the black plague they were playing it off like it was the black plague yeah. i mean they made it seem like everybody was dying by this thing to scare the shit out of people and then turns out it's not killing that many people at all 99 percent survival rate i mean all those people that weren't vaccinated not even a, not even a, oh, hey, we're sorry about that. We're sorry that you lost your job. We're fired. 
Uh, I'm sorry that sorry all about that. we had to close all these small businesses down. Nothing. All these Nothing. small businesses have just completely. I mean, they've we lost a lot of small businesses do, during it, and there's no relief program. You know, he wants forgive student debt out there, which I got mixed feelings about. But what about all these small businesses that were running and got shut down for two years, and then completely had to shut down their business for life? Yeah, where's the relief program on that? There's not one. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, we are pretty middle in the road. I would say that we don't care what you are, what you do, who you want to have sex with, what what race you are, if you want to be transgender, whatever. We don't care as long as it doesn't. I just don't want to pay for it. We don't want to pay for it. And, I mean, some of this stuff you got to draw a line. Like, you know, I don't want my kids going to drag shows where in, when they're in grade school. I mean, that's just basic shit that you, you don't want to have happen um, because I don't need, they don't need to be exposed to that. The school shouldn't teach my kids about sexuality and all that. That's my job. Teach them how to learn. Teach them stuff that they need to learn to be successful in life. You don't need to teach them about their... Did they do that, though? Huh? Did they do that? Do what? Teach them things they need to know to be successful. In life. Well, they haven't done a really good job at that either, but that's what they're... They sell. That's, that's what charter. they sell. That's, that's what, that's what they sell to, to people. But anyway, that was kind of a long spiel that we didn't think we were going to go down, but we did. But that's what makes podcasts amazing. So uh, pretty middle of the road. We appreciate all the reviews. Keep sending them in. We're gonna good keep, and bad. We're Thanks gonna, for yeah. listening to us. Give us a chance. Yeah. Uh, sorry we pissed you off. Uh, try us again sometime. Yeah. But today we're not going to talk any more about politics. I don't think so. We're going to go into the Q&A. So we're going to get into the questions that you guys submitted. Remember to submit those questions at barntalkshow at gmail.com going forward. So first off, what are your thoughts on the electric semi? Uh, Well, so Tesla uh, updated their website, and the first deliveries of the Tesla Tesla semi are coming soon. I'm not sure how many are at Frito Lay or PepsiCo. PepsiCo owns Frito Lay. It's together, and that's where the first ones were delivered for testing. And I'm not sure when they're delivering uh, more, but they're they're starting production fairly soon, and I think it's going to be about five a week uh, to start. And you have to remember that um, the number of batteries it takes to do the semi, I want to say the number is for every semi that they build, you could build, it's enough batteries for, did I say 70? I want to say like 70 um, Model S's, or sorry, uh, Model Y's. And so, I mean, that's a significant number. So, in other words, every truck they build is that many less cars that they can build now the flip side of that is i think their margin on the semi is probably even better a lot better than what it is on on the cars that they make but um elon talked about it a little bit and something that i found that was very surprising and i think this gets kind of uh this doesn't get talked about in the media very much. Um, I think that, you know, the trucking community is a very independent bunch of people, and their brand loyalty is huge, especially with owner-operators. And so, you know, Peterbilt and Kenworth, uh, they're not going to go away quietly on this, and people are going to be reluctant 
to make that change. But I think what you're going to see, and the example that I used when I was talking to Sawyer about it was, um, one of the first people that has a big block of the semi on ordered is UPS. I think they've got a hundred or 125. And when you, the cost of the semi is between 150,000 to $185,000 for a brand new tractor. Um, and tractor. I think it, and it depends on whether it's the 300-mile range or the 500-mile range. And that's before uh, any rebates that are in part of this new uh, inflation fighter uh, uh, bill that got passed, pork barrel bill that got passed. But they using the numbers as far as the cost per kilowatt to charge the semi versus the price of diesel fuel and the range and the maintenance – Basically, you should be able to pay for a semi just in the savings of diesel fuel versus the electricity that you're going to use to charge it in two and a half years. Then, on top of that, the, the cost of maintenance per mile is way less than a diesel-powered uh, semi. So, when people say, oh, yeah, you know, Nobody's going to adopt that. Well, here's what's going to happen. And that's the beautiful thing about uh, podcasts and YouTube videos is it's all out there. And once you put it out there, it's there forever. So this will either age well or it won't. And if it won't, everybody can bring it up and do at me and say, look at this idiot. But so my thoughts on this are if you're somebody like FedEx – and you see UPS buy 120 of these semis and then buy another 120 of these semis, and the next thing you know, their fleet, they're running a pretty sizable percentage of them as electric, and their cost of ownership is a third less than yours or half of yours, and you're in the cutthroat business of delivering freight and packages, and you, f- you figure out that UPS has a cost structure that is a third less than yours, how long do you think it's going to take FedEx before they're beating on Tesla's door to get their own because otherwise they can't compete? And if you're in the... Because if, then what is UPS going to do for the customer? They're going to cut the cost on what, it char- what it, they're going to charge for their customers, which is going to be way better than FedEx's because they can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And then FedEx is going to be screwed because no one's going to... Go to FedEx because yeah, the UPS the is going to be cheaper. It's all about the money. If you can. That's the thing people don't realize. It, when it, businesses it, can find an edge and they find the edge against their competition, now they can cut costs for their customers because now all their customers that were going to this person might switch over and go to UPS because oh their co- their costs well, are way ship down. It cheaper ship it cheaper. Yeah, it's so simple. It's like okay, I got to ship. I got to ship a ten pound box. I got to ship a ten pound box of pork chops to Ohio. And if I go FedEx, it costs me $65. If I go UPS, it costs me $60. I don't care who hauls it. Only thing I care about is that now that I got five more dollars in my pocket, because if I sold that box, freight included, I'm eating that money. So if I can sell it $5 cheaper 
or if I can make $5 more, or then I can turn around, maybe I make my box $2.5 cheaper than my competition. It all trickles down. And I think this is a good jumping off point to talk about this bill that was passed, this inflation flight fighter bill that has all of this EV tax credit stuff in it, which the people that voted on it don't even have any idea how the hell it's going to work because I've, I've watched, I've read and I've watched, I don't know how many uh, hours and pages of stuff by people trying to figure out how it's going to work. And the truth is, I don't think they really know how it's going to work. And one of the big stumbling blocks to it is that the batteries, the vehicles have to be below a certain price for the purchase price for you to get the credit. Then they also have to be a certain percentage made in America. And I know just off the top, like the Mustang Mach-E doesn't even qualify because it's made in Mexico. So it doesn't, that, it doesn't work. Um, but even if it's made in America, the batteries have to be a certain percentage of the materials have to come from a country that is a uh, has a favored uh, favored nation trading status or that we have a trading uh, agreement with, and so China is off that list, and so most of the batteries are made in China. So there's a really a lot of gray area about whether this is even going to amount to anything. But my point of it is. All of that shit was done as an incentive to get people to buy cars. They don't even need that. None of that needed to be done at all. Because the example I just gave you with UPS versus FedEx, if that played out, the government doesn't have anything to do with that. That is just cold, hard business, and that's cold, hard economics. And Tesla already has... The, the wait time to get a car from them is already months and months and months because people want them. They don't need an incentive. They, they need no incentive to make people want to buy their cars. And they'll be the first to tell you, Elon will be the first to tell you, or anybody that works within management, they were against this bill to start with because they do not need government incentives to get to drive this market. The EV market is already headed that way. And the UPS example is like just stay out of the way. The best thing government could do is just stay out of the way. However, they can't they just can't do that. They just cannot leave well enough alone, but on the semi, I think you're going to see just cold hard uh, economics make the decision as to whether or not that's a marketable product. And in my mind, it's 100% going to totally change the transportation landscape uh, in this country. And, um, you know, people that are against it are going to just scream and say this and say that. But The market gets, doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> the as, market doesn't care. The market doesn't care. And as it gets out there and the miles get driven, the people get them in more and more and more. And they see what the maintenance actually is. And the the lower cost of fuel, no fuel. And I'll be happy to tell you, you know what, if they bring this out and it's a a maintenance nightmare and it isn't as they uh, said it will perform, I will be the first to be back on here to say, you know, what the hell were they thinking? But um, past performance, Tesla doesn't really have a track record of ever releasing something that wasn't pretty well built, ready to go. And mm. so I think I think that the semi is a game changer, and I think it's going to be 
Uh, I think it'll be one of their biggest products, and I think it'll eventually it'll make more money um, than a lot of the car business does for them. Just another avenue for Tesla. And it'll help the stock price. So if you haven't got any uh, Tesla stock, uh, and this is not financial advice, do we still have that disclaimer that this I is? I got it in every single description now. That's nice. Because uh, not, but I can tell you that if I had a few dollars laying around, I'd be buying more Tesla stock. So anyway. Yeah, I I would you haul grain with it if you could get oh, your hands on one? Oh, I so would. I would have one tomorrow if for no other reason than just to drive down to the feed mill and haul a load of corn just to watch all the boys that got their 379s, extended hood, extended cab with all the seat, all the air let out of the seat, just watch me pull in and just shake their heads. Oh, just shake their heads. It, that would be I would love it. Talk <laughs> about a YouTube video. That would be a YouTube video. So Elon, if you want some real world um Work with those things. Yeah, send me one of them semis. I'll even take the 300-mile range because I only got to go 23 miles to the feed yeah. mill, so I can make several trips before I got to recharge. And the other thing that we're not really talking about with the semi, which would be a game-changer, I mean, is what if it's fully autonomous? Oh, I mean, that will come. That will come eventually, and it's just like with the cars. But, I mean, you got those two – you got the two positives with uh, no – way, way less as far as – what it's going to cost to charge it versus what it's going to cost for diesel fuel and then way less on the maintenance. But then if you can drive, if it can drive itself, that's, oh, well, I mean, that's going to, that's going to adopt. I mean, the adoption rate on that's going to be even more and more of these companies like UPS and FedEx. Now they don't have that labor cost. Oh yeah. I mean, so cut the prices even more. I mean, that's scary for the labor force, but that's what they're working well, on. We're short. We're short anyway. Right. I mean, we're short anyway. People like to make an all-or-nothing argument, and they'll say, oh, there's no way you can do that. You can't, re you can't replace people for, you know, delivering all this freight. And that's, that's true to a point, but what we're talking about is if you're traveling, you know, if you're going east or you're going west and you're on one of the major interstates and you're driving and it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night, 2 o'clock in the morning, how many semis do you meet hauling freight, pulling doubles or triples, and – they're hauling, all they're doing is hauling uh, FedEx, UPS, DHL, uh, the U.S. Postal Service, and all they're doing is going from one warehouse to another. Yes. It's not where we're stopping five places. We're literally just loading in Omaha, and we're going to Chicago, or we're going from L.A. to Omaha, or we're going from Chicago to Pittsburgh, whatever. Those are the routes that full autonomy it's a no-brainer because you can literally program that. And if you've ever watched a uh, an in-depth breakdown of, like, the Tesla, the newest Tesla factories, so Fremont's not this way, but all the rest of them are, within the factory, they're using um, these these carts, these motorized carts. I, I don't know what else. It's like a wagon, and they're fully autonomous. They're programmed to haul parts from the warehouse to the production floor and they do it totally automatic and it's pre-programmed their routes pre-programmed and they go back to the same spot every time get loaded and then they go to the same spot on the floor and get unloaded what you're talking about doing with freight in those situations is almost exactly the same and um it it'll that'll be the first that'll be the first incidents that you see somebody do autonomous trucks and it'll probably be a freight company or a beverage company something like that going from warehouse to warehouse 
But what I wanted to say was, what I wanted to talk about while we were, and this is a little bit tied in with uh, the semi, but the charging rate on it, you can get 75% of the mileage, 70% or 75% in 30 minutes. So if it's a 500-mile range truck, you can get 75% of that range if you're plugged in for 30 minutes at a a Tesla uh, level 4 charger or whatever. So, I mean, logistically, that's that's pretty easy to do, especially when we're dealing with, you know, the the laws on how long op- trucks can operate. And I think, you know, you can only run eight hours or ten hours, and then you have to be off for so long for the logs and all that. And so you can easily make that work. Uh, you just have to build out the infrastructure with the charging. And on that note of the charging, so some of you may know this, some of you may not, that uh, one of the other things that we're all kind of into in our family is we have some real estate, we have some Airbnbs, and yesterday I just ordered Tesla charger for um, for the house, for the Babcock house, and Tesla has changed their um, their program, I guess you'd say, and what they're doing is for commercial areas, like if you own a store or an Airbnb or uh, whatever, and you install a Tesla wall charger or a pedestal charger, and you register with Tesla, anybody that comes there that charges, they do it under through the Tesla app, and you don't have to do anything. And then Tesla turns around and they pay you for the power that it used, plus a margin, you actually make money off of it. And that's just starting. And that is genius because it is going to incentivize people all over this country that have businesses to install Tesla chargers for Tesla. So in other words, like Electrify America and all them, they got to go find places to put these chargers. Tesla now is making it to where if I have a business, it costs me nothing other than the cost of the charger. And I think Tesla has a partner program where they'll give you the charger for free and then they just take it out of the charging over a period of time so it really doesn't cost you much of anything other than the installation. But you get the you get the convenience for people who have Teslas that come to your business, but now you're also going to make money off of it. It's a no-brainer. And it's yeah, just going mean, to grow just think there. about all the hotels, all oh. the all the movie theaters, all the malls. All the all the small businesses out there. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're going to get individual businesses to build out their, their infrastructure. Infrastructure, and they've already got the largest charging network in probably the world. And within two years, they'll own the market. They're going to own the market. So, anyway, it's another avenue for them too. <sighs> that should help the semis, stock. Did cars, I say that should help charging. The stock price? Should help the stock price. Yeah. Got <laughs> Trucks, we got semi trucks, cars, charging. Well, it's your turn to ask me a question now. Oh, yeah. I think you've rambled on for. I have rambled on. People, how do you like country living? Country like living versus person. city living, or mm-hmm. oh well, I haven't really lived in the city much, but I could tell you I don't like the city. I I'll, I'll I'll go I'll go and visit the city if I got friends wherever I'll go visit, be there for a couple of days, be there for a night, then I want to come home because I believe. Country living is the epitome of what it's the most free you can feel in this country today. Having your own acreage, living in the country, being away from people, having your own space, having your own freedom, having your own peace of mind, having your own peace, 
it's like it's like heaven. You cannot. It's it's like you. There's no, nothing else in the world can provide you that peace than your own place. That's just away from people. It's your own little compound that you can build on, make better, make do more things, do things that's not going to disrupt other people. You can take a piss in the yard. <laughs> your dog can shit in the yard, and you don't have to pick it up. I mean, there's so many great things to it. There's a lot. Now, there's some downsides to it because we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of grass we got to mow. So, you know, that's more than if you lived in the, a suburb. You know, you got your little, one little section, but you got to mow a lot of grass out here. There's a lot of maintenance work. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I would want it no other way. I think living in the country gives you true freedom. It really does. And if I encourage anybody and everybody that's never lived in the country to go try it. I think... I think a lot of young people, when they're young, they want to go live in the city because it's just there's so much to do. There's club life. You meet a lot of people. There's restaurants and all that stuff, which is great because I'll say we don't have a lot of – we don't have a ton of stuff to do as far as restaurants. We don't have clubs in our small town or anything like that, which, you know, whatever. But if you fall in love with – as you get older and if you fall in love with just being at peace – there's no other place that you can find that peace yeah, and freedom. There's just not. Club ain't going to give you that. The city is just not going to give you that, in my opinion. I don't know. I haven't lived in a city, so I, I, I might be a little biased, but just if you try living in the country one time, I bet you'll never want to go back. City life is just so many people. It's so like you're in your own little world within that, and you don't, a lot of people don't branch out. They don't make relationships like they used I to. I think it probably could have, it probably used to be that way, but I mean, with social media and all that, I think yeah. it's just made things people are more isolated now. Yeah. And they're more I don't know if they're more self-conscious or what, but they just don't socialize like they used to. I don't know. That's just an opinion, but uh the other thing is you kind of can just you don't you're not like trying to live like I feel like a lot of people in the suburb life they get they get into these they get into these schools they take their kids to these schools they you know they they meet a bunch they meet parent other parents in the in the school and then they they start keeping up with the Joneses they they're in their little pod they're in their little suburb and it's all about how you look to your fellow suburban uh, neighbors suburban neighbors and it's all about keeping up with the Joneses because you're just submerged in that. You take your kids to the school. You're in this one living pod. You see the next door neighbor, what he's driving, what their house is. And, they're you know, it's just they're bragging to each other, always talking about what they got, what's new, what their kids are doing, how they're better than your kids. You know, and it's just when you're here living in the country and you're away from everybody, you just do your own thing and that's all. You, you're just focused on what you're doing. And you're not really – I mean, I just don't feel like you keep up with the Joneses. We try much. to keep up with the Joneses, but it's all through equipment. Yeah, and, and we can't. I think keep, farmers all have that a little bit, and I up. think everybody has keep it up with the Joneses a little bit in you. I mean, you know, you like to have nice stuff, but if, when you get older and you live on your when you live in the country, I just feel like that's less of a thing. You just are kind of doing your own thing. I'm very happy to be where I am, and I think if people on. stop comparing themselves as much, if if people just did their own thing, and you know didn't dedicate their life to always having the best shit and looking the best and trying to impress other people that really don't give a shit, they'd probably be a little bit happier. So I agree. So I encourage anybody out there that can buy an acreage, go do it. Cause it's, it's amazing. Um, cause you know, 
I don't want everything all. I don't want all the farm ground, and I don't want all the nice country acres out there to get developed. So somebody's got to own it and hold it. Now, speaking like a true farmer, uh, living in the country is great. Uh, just don't move in next to me. Yeah, facts. Yeah. Don't move close to us. Don't move <laughs> close to us. <laughs> Let us keep our peace. Uh, what are your favorite barbecue seasonings and slash barbecue sauce? Oh well, uh. So my my barbecue journey really kind of started with uh, Malcolm Reed. He's the best, yeah. I will say. Dad put me on to him. You yeah. learned a lot through him. I did learn a lot. From he's Malcolm got a lot Reed. of he's got a lot of good products, but man, he's just a good old he's a good old barbecue boy. He's from the South, and he's just a nice guy. His tutorials aren't they're not there's not a bunch of shit in them. He gets no. right to the point. He has a good time, and it just looks damn good. Yeah, and it's he, been everything I've tried. It's fire. And he and his wife, I think, do a podcast just talking about barbecue. We got to get him on. And I don't think that he does competition anymore. He used to do a lot of competition, but uh, How to Barbecue Right, that's the name that's of it. His, that's his brand. And um, so I remember, I think, the first – when I got a, when I got a, a pellet grill – um, I started watching him do pork butt and do brisket and do all that stuff. But he, so I use um, salt, pepper, garlic pretty much in everything, you know. It's like your salt, base coating. Yep, salt, pepper, garlic. And then um, he's got, I like his barbecue seasonings. Um, I've done a lot. I've, I buy a lot of. Uh, meat church. Meat church. He, and he's, he's good too. Um, what's that guy's name? I don't know what that guy's name is, but he, and he has some, he, he's really tied in with Traeger. He does a lot of stuff, uh, through Traeger. The meat church guy. Yeah. But, uh, his stuff's good. I like his seasonings and, the, and it's so much fun to experiment. Um, you know, I've tried all kinds of different stuff and we just made pork chops the other night where we season them salt, pepper, garlic, and then this this like citrus barbecue rub. So it's a lot like uh, any regular barbecue rub, but it has like orange, orange and lemon kind of in it. You can you can get a little of that, and we marinated the pork in uh, orange juice, and then seared it, seared both sides, and then threw it in the smoker. To I ain't gonna lie, that sounds kind of. I know we didn't tell you that we did it because we figured we only got six uh, chops and they're pretty thin. So you just ate them all and you couldn't call me because... Well, right, because mom's like, should we call Sawyer? And I'm like, no, because he'll eat them all. And so we didn't. Probably a good idea on your part. It was pretty good, but next time we'll Is it tasty, though? Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I use Malcolm Reed seasonings a lot. I have his 8P seasoning, which is salt, pepper, garlic. I have his barbecue rub. I got his heart hot barbecue rub. And that's really my go-to. He also has got steak seasoning, which is really good. You could use Lowry's, whatever. He's got a Mexican. But I, you know what, I'll say this. I don't fuck around with my seasoning. I I put some seasoning on. I don't, I think, yeah, if it's good meat, you don't have to over-season it, which I don't, I try not to, but seasoning gives you flavor, dude. If you want it to taste good, season that shit. Yeah. I see videos of people just salt and pepper, barely putting it on there. I'm like, no wonder you hate steak. Yeah. You don't even season the damn thing. That's probably one of my biggest complaints about just any food that is done 
is done poorly. And by that, I mean, like, if you go to a restaurant and you order a hamburger, that hamburger is going to come out, and it's going to have no taste whatsoever. Everybody's got these menus now where they got eight different hamburgers, and it's got an egg on it, it's got bacon on it, it's got onion rings on it, it's got all this shit on it. But when you strip it all off, that burger tastes like ass. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's, it's it is. The I, like terrible. The ones that you... The ones that instantly come to my mind are like Applebee's, Chili's. Yeah. Those kind of restaurants where you go and they got, yeah, all those different kinds of burgers. You take everything off. You eat the burger with just cheese. It's terrible. Yeah, because they don't season it. They literally take out a hunk of meat. Comes The patties come. They throw it on. They sear, you know, sear one side, sear the other. And that's it. That's all they do. And it's like, if I'm going to make a burger, like I'm going to season it as I'm making the patties. And then... Got to get a good crust on there. Yeah, and then, uh, honestly, if Smash you make a good burger, are... oh, the, I, so I've got a, I got a Blackstone. Sora and I both have Blackstones now, and there is nothing better than, um, uh, what's the bacon, the bacon fat? Uh, uh, bacon up. Bacon up, yep. Oh, my gosh. You throw bacon up on and then do Smash Burgers and get... Double two patties, crust both sides, stack them with a slice of cheese between them. Oh, my gosh. Pickles and mustard, that's like... Now, you don't want to eat that every night, probably. That's probably not... But that is damn good. Um, Yeah. And then I do a lot of pork butt, pulled pork, and... So much of barbecue is just not being in a hurry. Yeah. And that's where... Definitely. You have to plan ahead uh, because if you try to rush it, it's going to turn There's out very bad. few things that... Like, when I do pork chops, I sear both sides. I got two sides of my grill are heated. I turn them up on high. I sear my pork chop two minutes, two minutes, and then I turn it so it's get those grill marks, and then I flip it two minutes, so four minutes aside, but you switch so it gets that grill mark. And then when I'm done searing it, I put it over to the the side that isn't heated, and you just go off temp. You don't go off. You yep. don't go off time. You don't set a 20 minute timer. You go off. Okay, when this mofo hits 135, I'm taking it out, and then I'm gonna let it sit so it gets up to 140. And then I think that's pork. how you got to do it. But like a ribeye, if it's a thin ribeye, you, you can pretty much go off time oh, on yeah. that thing. Like you're not going to temp. You're just yeah. And burgers kind of the same way. Yep. I mean, but like. Anything pork and ch- chicken, too, it's kind of like, got to go off temp. Yeah. Pork is one of the easiest meats to fuck up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just is. Yeah. And and that's it. But you know, it's of, really good if you do it right. Oh, yeah. It's fire. That's one of the biggest problems our industry has is if I've had, I'd hate to even know how many times that I've gone to a, a industry-related meal. Some pork industry, whether it's a whether it's a vendor, whether it's a pork producers thing, whatever, and they have pork loin, and it's not seasoned, it's overdone, and it's overcooked, and it's like, how do you expect everybody else in the country to buy our product when you don't even get people to cook it right? For people that know what it should taste like, and um, that's what, and that's why I've said for a long time the best thing that the the pork board could do is, I don't care if you got to get in a car and drive down there, you need to show up on Malcolm Reed's doorstep and say, hey, how much pork do we got to give you 
to just you know promote the promote the eating promote of pork, pork and cooking pork. And yeah, and I don't understand. I mean, they always ask us ask people questions like, "How are we gonna sell more? How will we sell more pork?" That's how you sell more pork. Yeah. You get guys that are damn good at cooking and grilling and smoking meat. Give them all the pork that they need, and they will promote the the consumption of pork mm-hmm. because they're damn good at it. And it already is. I mean, look at how barbecue culture has grown oh, yeah. in this country. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. It's a skill now. It's yeah. a it's a hobby. If you know how to fire up the grill, I mean, it's always kind of been that way, but it, now it's just hit another it's another, another height. Like if you know how to smoke some meat, you know how to grill some meat. It's like a skill. Like that's it's good. It's it's fun to do and it's rewarding too. Feeding a bunch of people. My my opinion on sauce is there's you know there's all kinds of good sauces out there that just complement the meat, but that's what it's got to be about. It's if you make a good smoked meat, whatever whether it's a brisket, whether it's a pulled pork, whether it's whatever, that sauce should complement the meat, not make the meat taste good. Because I, if a brisket's done right or pulled pork is done right, I could eat it plain. Yep, me too. But to get some of that moisture, get a little bit of that more smoky flavor, I'm always a Sweet Baby Ray's guy. That's really good. But if you want that sugar-free stuff, what's that guy's brand? He's kind of taken America by storm with all these sugar-free sauces. Yeah, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, is it Stubbs? Stubbs. Stubbs. Yeah, yeah. Stubbs. I don't know what the, I don't even know what the background of the company is, but you probably see it at all your Walmarts, Costco, all that. But this this brand called Stubbs came out and it's zero sugar barbecue sauce. They got Polynesian sauce, ketchup, uh, pretty much a Chick-fil-A sauce that tastes damn good. Yep. Uh, that's a good option, so throw that out there. But yeah, I'm on the I'm on the train is sauce is great, but it shouldn't make the meat. Yeah. It should complement it. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. And you, I get, I think you always remember things in the past maybe to be better than what they were. But really, my first experience with really good barbecue was back in early 2000s when I first started working for Precision. And I went to the World Pork Expo as a exhibitor and not as a visitor. Because that's kind of a whole different world when you're on when you're on the exhibitor side. Just because it's really like a big family atmosphere, and there was this company that we did a lot of business with, and they're called Hired Hand. Many of you, if any of you are in the ag, especially the poultry side, you would know Hired Hand. Hired Hand got bought out by by AP later on, but they were based out of Bremen, Alabama. And those were some good old boys down there. And when they would <laughs> the come South to, knows how to do barbecue. Oh man, you aren't a kidding. And when they would come to the World Pork Expo, they would bring as many people to barbecue as they brought to work the booth at the show. They would show up with two big motorhomes, roll the the awnings out, and have a big smoker between them. And they would cook 24 hours a day. I remember one year they had like 40, 40 racks of ribs maybe that they had on. And they started at like God, ribs are 8 good. o'clock at night and they cooked all night long. And <laughs> we were there. I mean, I it was a tough, it was, it was the hardest like three days uh, to get through that because you were up 
all night and then had to be in the booth. Drank we, a lot. We drank Ate too a lot much. of barbecue. But uh, <laughs> Brian Peppers, if uh, I'm going to cut this clip and I'm going to send it to Brian Peppers because he was our he worked for them and um, that was the first time that I ever had white sauce. And I, they made their so they made all their own sauces, and they had this this white sauce. I think they called it Carolina white sauce. Carolina mustard, that shit hits different. And maybe it wasn't Carolina, maybe that Carolina they had Carolina mustard too. But they'll correct me. But anyway, they had this white sauce, and I'll tell you what, it holy shit, that was good. And we sat out there and drank beer and ate ribs, and I don't. I think there was a golf cart that ended up in a drainage ditch out of that deal, and I honestly think that it might have been after that, the next year, we weren't allowed to rent a golf cart. I'm not sure if it was PSI's golf cart or whether it was hired hands, but uh, the powers of B were not happy because it ended up being pretty much utterly destroyed, which that's a whole other story. And the highlight of that was eating ribs, drinking beer with them boys, and listening to Brian Peppers tell the story to these ladies that were in the tent about how he and his buddy that were there were were national champion uh, high divers. Nope, national champion uh, synchronized swimmers. And if you, obviously these boys didn't quite have the physique for that, but the story was so good, and they told it so well. They bought it. They bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And, I mean, it was, oh, that was a great time. But their barbecue, all homemade sauce. And to be honest, like when I think about it, I don't think I've ever had a purchased sauce that's as anywhere good as, as near yeah, as good. I agree. If you go to a, a, a dining, if you go to a little small barbecue shop that, that serves all kinds of barbecue, their sauces are always better. Yep. They just are. Yep. They're just way better. I, uh, I, and this is one thing that you, you guys might not know about me. I think barbecue food is probably my favorite food. Yeah. Like I can eat barbecue food probably every day because there's so many options that you can pick from. There's different sauces, mm-hmm. different, all, I don't really like vegetables. So <laughs> you get me cream corn, you get me mashed potatoes, baked potato, cornbread. That's like, my shit. Barbecue. That's my shit. Yeah. Get me a, a tall boy or something. That's like my favorite. So, yeah. All right. Moving on. Yep. Farm goals for the next 10 years. We skipped one. Oh, we did? Yeah, I want to do that one. I want to start. Oh, that. yeah. No, this is good. Do you ever think uh, animal agriculture will be 100% autonomous? This is something that Dad and I have sat and talked off camera about a lot and off podcast a lot. Um, there's... You know, we have a really productive system, and it's just like when Russ Varing was on the show. You know, we have a productive system of how we do things in pork production and in livestock in general, but specifically pork production. You know, we just we can make it better potentially with just using technology in different ways. And, it's, and the system's good. It just We can make it better, and why not try to make it better? And these barns are set up in a way that I think – I don't think the layout is going to really change all too much. I mean, the infrastructure of how many barns have been built a certain way has kind of been built. I don't see there being a huge change in how these buildings are built. Um, so it's just kind of like, how can we make it better for the, the caretaker? Because labor is a huge problem. You know, we can't find enough guys to load these pigs, chore these pigs, work with these pigs every day. And that's what animal agriculture requires. That's kind of the necessary evil with it. 
So I think using tech is huge. And if we can, we can really solve a lot of problems. But like one one thing we were thinking about, you know, that would be kind of cool is, you know, and you know that this is coming down the pipe, but cameras in the feeders, you know, uh, if we can somehow figure out if somehow this feeder's smart enough, it's got software in it or something, or it's hooked up to an app that's smart enough to have software, it knows every pig that comes to that feeder, and it knows it like knows if that it knows every pig that comes to the feeder that day. So then you know if there's a pig that didn't come to that feeder, they're probably not feeling great. Or if there's cameras in the barn that are, I don't know what are they thermal, and they can kind of tell what the body temp of each pig is. That would be cool. Or it identifies if there's a dead pig in the pen. That would be cool. Like we talked about one time, there being boxes at the end of the barn, metal boxes, and they would open up and a drone would fly out, circle around and scan and make sure that, oh, is that pig, you know, just read the the body temp of each pig and see if there's a dead pig or anything like that and just kind of scan the room then go back into the box. And it kind of gives you that video update. And it gives you a status report of all the dead pigs or pigs that, that, that might be a little sick or have an ailment and then show you all the rest of the good pigs. And that's something that I think if we can figure out a way to identify the fallbacks, identify the, the dead pigs, it will make everything more efficient. Because if you get your report, when you wake up and you get, a, you get an in-app notification or an email or however it works, and it gives you your status report of what's happening in your barn and what you got to do. And, oh, there's a dead pig in pen 56. And that's the only dead pig in the barn today. And, oh, I see that the feed is in the feeders and the water's working because I can see that all on the video. And then I know I got to go treat pigs in this pen and then this pen because these guys are go check them out and see if they are sick or not. And if they are, I got to treat them. Mm -hmm. That makes the job of the caretaker way more efficient because you're wasting time. And I know it's not a lot of time, but you're walking you're checking well, you're, pigs, you know, you're you're looking for dead pigs, you're looking for feeder sick adjustment. feeders adjustments, making sure, you know, there's you're you're walking and making sure all this happens, but it, you're kind of at an advantage when if you woke up and got a status report, you kind of know, okay, this is what I'm doing when I get in this barn like right away. Mm-hmm. I know this is what I'm doing. I agree 100% and I think if you take all of those technologies to their logical conclusion, I think where we're headed is eventually we will just chip every pig when it leaves the sow farm. And that chip will give you a status report on the pig, and you'll know if that pig has got a temperature or has, you know, anything wrong with it. And um, that coupled with what you're talking about as far as we know, we are today we know we know how many gallons of water the pigs are drinking all the time and we can chart that usage and from the day you first fill a barn till the day they go out the water usage incrementally goes up every day because as a pig grows the pounds of the pounds of pork that are there are such a percent of water and they drink so much water every day and so over over that cycle, your water usage should go up every day. And if it levels out or goes down, you know that your pigs are probably getting sick. So that part of it's already there. We already have um, 
scales. Some people do, some people don't, but we have the technology of putting scales on these bins to know how much feed has gone into the building so you can say, okay, we know how many how much feed's being eaten every day, which obviously if if that chart is moving also, you know that all the feeders are getting filled. Yeah, there's a lot of elements to making a productive barn of pigs flow well. I mean, you got the feed, you got to automate. You got the water, you got to automate, which auto water is pretty much there. Yep. You got then, the pig, you got, but the, the yeah, the thing that's the most is the actual pigs, like yep. taking care of those pigs. There's no, even though we have all of that, there's just that oddball thing that can happen. I'll give you a perfect example. Any of you out there that raise pigs that have ever walked into a hog building and you walk up to a dry box feeder and there is a pig in the feeder because it happens. I've seen, I had it happen. I've had a pig get into a feeder. An empty and, feeder? No, like get into a full feeder and get like flipped over upside down and get stuck between the brace in the feeder. Like, and they weren't out of feed or anything like that. They literally were just messing fighting, around, <laughs> fighting or jumping or whatever, and got up there and then thought, oh, I'm up here and I got all this feed. And so they like climbed in the feeder and then got stuck in it. Or um, somehow a pig gets up on a gate and gets a hold of a temperature sensor and then your controller gets out of whack. Or, you know, they get a hog panel off on the gate or they the, break out. Yeah, they break out. So th- there's so many things that you can't, technology can give you all this information, but it can't tell you something that's happened out of the measurables. Yeah. And that's where you can't make up having people go through the barns every day unless you have a drone that flies, gives you that or video a Tesla feed. bot or a Tesla bot or something. I, so when you're talking 10 years from now, Ten years from now, I think that we will be to the point where you probably won't have people choring the barns, every barn every day. I think it's longer than ten years because you got to give ag is so behind. Ag is so behind when it comes to technology; they won't be adopting that in ten years. It'll be like twenty years. Well, in twenty years, I won't care. Yeah. Well, you act like you're going to be dead in twenty years. No, I just won't care. Yeah. You'll tell me about your problems, and I go, boy, that sucks. That yeah. sounds shitty. But, no, hey, I, I got to go. I got, we're teeing off. I don't know if you'll ever be able to automate it all. I mean, yeah, if you get a fucking robot in there, yeah, you'll probably be able to automate a lot of it, but, or a gorilla that's trained and oh, get them to, to load pigs for you. That'd be awesome. But I don't know if you'll ever be able to automate it. I think you'll be 100% where you just never have to go into one of these barns, but I think you can get it pretty damn close. I think you can get it really close. I think the feed is really close to being fully automated. You got bin vibrators, you got scales. If they put cameras in the in the bin, they automatically order a bin for you. That's awesome. You already got the chart, the graphing of the water usage data. We got alarms set up on those water meters. If anything happens, we know that oh, there's something wrong with the water. Yeah. We got to go up there. The, the alarm systems are getting better. The controllers are getting better. If we can just find a way to somehow get a video feed in there to be able to tell or the chip in a pig to be able to tell the temperature, to be able to tell if a pig's sick, be able to tell if a pig's dead. And you'll be able to see if pigs are out of their pen, if if the feeders are out of feed, if whatever, you'll be able to see all that stuff. I think it can make 
everything faster. I think the big one of the biggest hurdles in all of this is is there's a disconnect because so we get paid the same. We're contract growers and we get paid the same no matter what. So there's no incentive for us to spend a bunch of money on this on these technologies to make the pigs more efficient. Basically, there's no incentive for us to help the integrator because we don't own the pigs. Now, if it helps us save time and our time, we can quantify that it's worth it because it saves us this much time that we can be doing, doing something else, then that's, then that's something that we can make the decision and say, okay, we should spend the money for that. And a perfect example of that is bin vibrators because the integrator that we feed for, they didn't pay us to put those bin vibrators on. But it saves so much time of us having to beat on bins, and we can quantify that and say, you know, over the last five years that we've had them, I mean, I can't imagine how much time I've saved not having to beat on bins. And not beating on bins is good for the bins too. But when we start talking about um, the cameras and chipping the pigs and integrating all this stuff, somebody has to pay for that. And if you're on the integrator side, they don't really want to spend the money on it because they don't own it. In other words, they don't want to spend money on something that goes into your barn, even though they're their pigs, but they don't own it. And so, and let's face it, the margins are thin on production agriculture. It's a hard, that's a hard spot to be yeah, in. It's, it's yeah, it's just, just like a black hole there where... Everyone's building these barns for the everything that they need to get that contract and make it to the integrator standards, but they're not going to go. Most guys don't go above and beyond. Well, and then if you're on the integrator side. Because why would you? If you're on the integrator side, you can't mandate, and Cargill went down this road. When I can pick on them because they sold their business to JBS, but... You know, they had all these ideas when we were building buildings for them. They wanted all this stuff, and it was great. The only problem is they're competing for people to grow f- for them with every other integrator. So if, you, if you're paying the same amount per pig space, but your barn cost is $10 more. a pig space higher, who am I going to build a barn for? Well, it ain't going to be for you because why? And so they're in competition, and the growers, you know, they've only got so much money, and they're working on, I can do the bare minimum, and I get paid the same whether I build Cadillac Barn. So it's just, it's tough. That's got to get figured out. But I think at some point, the numbers will be on the side of spending the money for that automation. And if we get to that point, I think a lot will happen fast. Yeah. Farm goals for the next 10 years. Farm goals for the next 10 years. And don't say some bullshit like get a swivel koozie because no, we all know that's bold, full. This guy likes to say that he's like on the sidelines and in 10 years he just wants to have a swivel koozie and mow all the yard and get all the grass. Bullshit. He likes the trenches just as much as my brother and I, so don't let him fool you at all. Well, uh, in 10 years, in 10 years I'd like to have 10 – 2,400 head finishing buildings if we're still doing it. We got four right now. I'd like to have 10. <laughs> I like um, it. Just because 
I think that that I think the manure is going to be so valuable that um, I think we'll make as much money off of the fertilizer. I think in ten years, commercial fertilizer may be just about dead in the Midwest. I think anywhere that there is hog production, I think that commercial fertilizer will be dead. I don't think farmers will will buy it because I think that it's going to be too volatile. And the quality of it is is ass. I mean, there is no comparison between the quality of hog manure versus purchased um, commercial fertilizer. It's just not. And all and if the that gets better. Oh yeah, if it, hog if, manure is so much better. And, and if they not, make it better, like what Russ was talking about, yeah, if it gets better as far as the nutrient if, value and all that, well, if you then can, it's a no brainer. If you can pull the water out of it to where you've got a product that the cost of transportation is is that low and the product is consistent, um, commercial fertilizer doesn't serve any purpose because it's it's too expensive and it's inferior to that. Mm. So I think owning hog buildings, not even so much as the value of the rent of the hog building, I think the value of the manure in those pits and being able to sell that or use it for yourself will be worth a lot. Um, in 10 years, I don't think that we'll plant. I don't think that we'll plant a crop. I think that it will be done autonomously. I agree. You think we'll be, you think in 10 years we'll be able to buy a brand new autonomous John Deere tractor and let it, no. let her eat? No, I think we'll buy a used one. Or we'll just get Craig up on here and I think get a we'll Sabanto. Have a, I th- and I think equipment, Kub- I think we've seen the, I think we've seen the, the peak of size of equipment. I, I don't think that equipment's going to get any bigger than where we are. I think it's going to go the other way. But I think it's going to be way smarter. I think you're going to get to autonomous smaller, planning yeah. and tillage. Combining, I, don't, I just don't see. I think it'll be possible that you could combine autonomously, but I don't think you will because there's so many variables as far as the unloading and things that can break because let's face it, a combine is nothing but a contraption. I mean, if you think a planner is complicated, a combine is just nothing but a contraption. And there's so many things that can go wrong that um, to not have somebody there, I just don't know whether we'll get to a point that it makes sense to try to do that. But definitely on the planning and tillage, if you're doing tillage, I think that'll be done autonomously. Um, it sounds like predictions. Yeah, kind of. Is this a goal to get it? In 10 years, do you want to be able to plant? Do we? you want yes. it to be fully autonomous? In 10 years, I want to plant my own crop. Uh, we better, David David will be all about it, so it won't matter. But um, I think when I think about wanting to own a planter, to me, it only makes sense if I can have that to where it can be productive. My time is valuable enough that or our time is valuable enough, like why wouldn't we have, if the technology is there, why would we not have have it just plant for us? I, yeah. I just think that that's the thing to do. Because I think we're already diversified, but in 10 years I think we'll be doing a lot more than what we are today. I was going to say, I was talking to Grant Hilbert on the phone the other night. Uh, we keep in contact uh Fairly, not regularly, but we talk every once in a while, and I haven't talked to him since probably he came on this podcast a year ago, and we just caught up, and 
Uh, he. This is a true statement that he said that I really think is the truth. You know, if you study the largest landowners in Iowa, every single one of them has a business off the farm, and they're not the ones in the the in the tractor planting. They're not the ones in the combine combining. They might do it sometimes, but they're not doing it every day. And that's a personal decision for every farmer out there. If you love the game and you want to be a farmer and you want to get by and you just want to do what you love and that's what you want to do, that's what you should do. But if you want to grow a big operation, you got to sit down with yourself and ask yourself, the way that you're going to do that is you're going to have to, your time is your most valuable asset and you're going to have to use your time to grow and figure out every way to grow your farm rather than work in your farm, work spend all your time dedicated to labor on your farm because or have somebody on your farm that is dedicated to growth and then you can do all the labor but you got to have somebody on your operation that is focusing on growing the farm in whatever avenue or whatever way you think that is that is going to get you to grow that's what it's got to come down to and that's the dirty that's the dirty little secret no one wants to talk to you about when it comes to farming like you want to grow your farm, you got to do you got to do shit that not everybody's doing and you can't be in the tractor all the time. That's the truth. And my next 10 years goal, 10 years from now, our, my goal is do some businesses off the farm that help create income to go now grow the farm. Go buy more acres, buy more hog buildings, build more hog buildings, whatever we got to do. Um Keep doing this. Keep providing really good content for you guys. And I don't ever get it twisted in the fact that don't ever think that I don't want to farm because I do. I love farming. I love doing the work. But I understand that on the flip side of that, I understand if I want to grow this farm, I got to focus on business things too. So I will always be a farm kid at heart and always want to do farm work. But will I always do it and be the one always running and gunning and being the labor every step of the way? I don't know if I will because I think that's not probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. And maybe that changes as I get older and I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. I don't want to grow it any further. I just want to I want to just do what I love and then I'll do that. But I love also growing things. So we'll just see. And I, that's a personal decision once I get there. But I, I see more hog barns, more ground, business off businesses off the farm and keep growing the social media and providing value and meeting more people and uh, just showing what we do as farmers. I think we can do continue to grow the following, continue to grow the podcast, continue to grow the farm, continue to grow businesses. I think um, along that line, it's so interesting. And I don't know if other industries are this way or not, but yesterday we were sitting here and we were having a conversation with a gal that works in social media uh, with a company that we do some stuff with. And she was telling us kind of her and her husband's story about, you know, the businesses that they have so that they can afford to farm. And we made the comment, isn't it funny how there is something about ag that people are willing to work two other jobs to afford to be able to farm? Be able to afford to, afford to work again, work yeah, more to work more. Yeah, to to work two jobs to come home and work, which yeah. I I don't know. It's just something. It's it's you Unique. either have it or you don't. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know if other industries are that way or not. I don't feel like they are. But there's something about ag that um, we're our own worst enemies because we we have a strong we have a strong sense of community for each other. Um, but then we we compete against each other incredibly hard, you know, and we run up cash rent and we try to produce more bushels than the next guy to sell at a lower price so that we can all afford to keep going. Um, and we'll work off the farm to be able to afford to farm. That's just a strange, it's a strange phenomenon. It's unique. It's it for sure. Unique. It's unique. I mean, it's in there and there's, don't get it twisted. There's nothing better than providing a need to the world. Providing food to the world, you're not providing some some gadget, some some new thing that's going to make you look better. It's not a want. You're providing a freaking need to the world. Yeah, you're providing food. You're providing food. You're that corn. Yeah, it doesn't. It's feeding the pigs, feeding livestock. You get fed that way, but it's also making products that are need. They're a need. You yeah. know, that corn gets made into so many things, but. It's it, a lot of the stuff. It, it, there's just not something out there. There's not a lot of things out there that give you that satisfaction, give you that fulfillment that you are helping in a big way. You know, you really are. So um, that's also unique for ag. But yeah, it's funny that a lot of people work to then come home and work more. Yeah, my other uh, to afford to work more. Mother, ten-year goal is uh, you'll get a lot less work out of me because I'm. I'm going to take my job of grandfathering uh, very seriously. Yeah. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to go uh, fishing, hunt for Bigfoot, uh, build a lot of couch tents. Uh, I like eat it. Eat a lot of ice cream. I like it. A lot of, ho- a lot of nights at, a lot of nights with uh, my wife alone. I, I'll, just I'll make need more that. Grandkids. Yeah, it's an, the ROI for you is better. So <laughs> you'll do it. Do it whenever you want. Okay. Well, one question. One question left. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we were setting up. We were setting up today, and uh, Sawyer's phone went off, and it was my first inkling that it's that time that that time of year because it was his. It was a his alert. It was his alert that uh, fantasy football had started. So yeah. Uh, what are your NFL predictions for the year, and how does your fantasy team stack up? Yeah, this is a fun one. We don't talk about sports often, but I love the NFL, and I'm and I I love football, plain and simple. And I'm ready for this season. I'm ready to get. I'm ready to smoke some wings, make a bowl of chili, make something hearty, get my blanket on one Sunday if I'm done with everything. Sit down on my couch, turn on the TV, and watch some NFL football or college on Saturday, whatever. I'm ready for that because there it is fun. It is a it's a good getaway for me. I enjoy football. Um, so my NFL prediction, I guess I'll just do Super Bowl prediction, and I'll tell you what I think the Cowboys are going to do. The Cowboys this year, I think they'll get. I think they'll go ten ten and seven. Wait, yeah, ten and seven. Wait, no, it's ten and six. I think they'll go ten and six. Um, I think they'll make the playoffs as a wild card, but I think the Eagles are going to win the division. I think the Eagles got a a, a banger team in the NFC East, so I'm kind of worried about the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is going to come alive, and I think they stack up well against the Cowboys. And I just think of losing Amari Cooper, not very good. Because CD, if CD gets hurt, we're going to be screwed. But I think Dak's going to step up in a big way and show he's the franchise quarterback this year. I mean, he showed that a little bit last year, but he's got to he's got to really show it this year. I think we'll make the playoffs. 
And I'm hoping, I'm hoping we uh, Win get one. past the divisional round. You know, that would be really good. You know, let's get past that goal before we say we're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not one of those Cowboys fans that say we're going to go to the Super Bowl every year. That's not me. I haven't seen one in my whole life. They've they've let me down. I've seen plenty of 8-8 eight and eight seasons many times, so I'm not one of those guys. But I am rooting for them, and I hope they surprise, surprise me like the Bengals surprised all the Houday fans out there. But my Super Bowl prediction is I think the Chargers – that AFC West division with the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders, and um, no uh, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs. That is as a hard division, but I think the Chargers are going to go to the Super Bowl. I think Justin Herbert is a stud. I think their defense has got some studs on it. I think they got a complete team. And then in the NFC. There's just so many things. I don't think the Packers are going to make it. I think Rodgers is never going to go back to a Super Bowl. Ford Niners, if Trey Lance is good, I think they'll go to the Super Bowl because if he's good, their team's complete. But I think in the NFC, I think Tom Brady's going to get it. <laughs> I think Tom Brady's going to come back. And he, if you watched that playoff game last year against the Rams, they were so close to beating them. He almost came back and won. And then he would have probably been, he would have went to the Super Bowl. So, I think Tampa's going to make a run, and it'll be the Chargers versus Tampa Bay. And I don't I don't care what happens then because that's a good game. I like Justin Herbert. I like Tom Brady. Um, but as far as my fancy team goes, if any of you play fancy football or if you watch football and you're not playing fancy, I highly recommend because it is fun. It makes the NFL season so much more enjoyable. But I want you guys to rate my team, what you think. I had the fourth pick in a 10-man PPR league. I got Russell Wilson as my quarterback. DeAndre Swift is my running back. My running back two is kind of sketch. I got J.K. Dobbins or Miles Sanders from the Eagles. Eh. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he was my first-round pick. Tyreek Hill, Kyle Pitts, Allen Robinson. I got the Commanders as the defense. And then Dan Carlson, the kicker from the Raiders. And then my flex and my – I think my flex and my running back two is my, my weak spot, but I think – I think I got a pretty underrated team. I think Russell Wilson's going to go off this year, so we'll just see. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty amped about my team. I think it's a sleeper. I think I got a lot of potential there. But uh, if any of you play fantasy football, good luck, good luck to you. And I can't wait for the NFL season to start. When will the trade start? Have you already got trade? I, you know, I think I do this too much in years where I have a solid team, and then because you get in your head too much in fantasy this year. I'm going to just ride. I'm going to ride it. I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to I'm going to play the waiver wire. I'm going to play the free agent game and see if I can pick up some some guys when they're just like cuz there's always guys that get injured and then their backup running backs come in and they start there's a few that just are beasts and if you can pick them up early you got a gold mine. So I'm going to just play the waiver wire and I just don't see myself trading much unless somebody gives me a stupid deal where I'm getting some studs then it might change. But I don't think I'm going to offer very much. Not to put you on the spot but uh just off the top of your head most overrated fantasy player that everybody always wants and most underrated fantasy player. This year I think Derrick Henry's overrated. I think Derrick Henry has had a hell of a run. He's King Henry. But I just don't think that Titans offense, I don't think that Titans team is going to be as good this year. I think they lost too many, they lost A.J. Brown 
and that's not going to open things up for Henry, and everyone's going to key in on him. I know he's a beast. I know they got a good O-line, but it's not as good as the last year's O-line. I just don't think that that's gonna. he's going to be as good as he once was. I think he'll be a good player in real NFL. I think he'll exceed 1,000 yards, but is he going to be the top-rated running back this year? No. Um, underrated? I got a few underrated guys that was kind of later in the draft. I think Allen Robinson from the Rams is coming off an ACL injury or he tore something. Maybe it was an Achilles, but he was at the Bears. He was at the Jaguars and went to the Bears, went good for the Bears and got hurt and kind of seen seen a decline. But he's playing with the best quarterback he's ever had in his career. He's like 29 years old. And when he was early in his career for like five years straight, he was a stud. And people are saying at Rams camp that he is balling out. And so I think he can fill Robert Woods' position really good. I think he'll be a really good number two option behind Cooper Cup because I think his route running's always been phenomenal. I think Matthew Stafford's going to feed him the rock whenever he can get him the rock. So I think he's an underrated. Um, other than that, I think DeAndre Swift, I got him. I'm kind of biased, but I think the Lions are going to absolutely run the shit out of DeAndre Swift. I think he's a stud and he's underrated, and I think he's going to ball the fuck out this year. So, uh, Side note, uh, a player like Derrick Henry, when you see him on TV, and I'm I'm totally like not biased. I don't care one way or another, but I, I'd always heard about uh, Derrick Henry and seen some of his highlights, but a few years ago, uh, I went to a. We were in Nashville, and we went to a Titans game when they played the Buccaneers. And a player like that, when you see him in person, a, a lot like some of some of football looks kind of funny when you go to a game in person because it's not. They kind of hype it up on television. Oh, they look, totally. It do. looks totally like it looks no different than going to a college game, really. But I will say uh, that game we went to. It wasn't a great game. That was when the Buck. That was pre Brady, so the Buccaneers weren't that good, um, and it wasn't like a high scoring game. But Derrick Henry went off on a couple of runs, and to just see people try to tackle him and bring him down, and he got out into open field one time, and I mean, it's like I would be scared to death to be <laughs> given the task to tackle Derrick Henry as a open DB. Field. Yeah, because no I way. mean, you're not going to. No. And if you do, you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. He is an absolute. Oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah, he, he is, is an absolute he's, beast. He's big and he he's tall and he's big he's got and he's a motor. fast. Yeah, he's when he fast. gets going, it's just he's an absolute stud. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, and I'm also ready for some some college Iowa football. I'm really looking forward to checking them out. I'm hoping I can go to the game this year. One of the games, all the home games are sold out. But if I can find a ticket, I want to go because I was at the Penn State game last year. When if you ever watched the Iowa versus Penn State game last year, and they had Penn State had like five false starts in a row, this was a night that game was at Kinnick. It was the most electrifying experience I've ever had at a sports event in my life. It was the loudest fucking game I've ever been to. I mean, because every single time they false started, it just got us more hyped, and everybody just got louder and louder and louder and louder. I felt like I was at a Chiefs game because I know Chiefs get – it gets loud, but, man, the energy of that game last night. Kinnick is one of the most underrated stadiums to play. It's one of the – I bet it's one of the hardest stadiums to play at in college football because it is loud and Iowa fans can be ruthless and Iowa fans are 
diehard loyal. They we are, are loyal, loyal, and there's beer now at the games, which is awesome. So it's it's rowdy, and it's a good time. So I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I can go to a game this year. Now that beer is allowed, uh, wrapping, wrapping a 12-pack of beer in a stadium blanket will be a, a lost art. The number of people that had it down to a science how to wrap booze in a stadium blanket, now they're like, damn it. Well, I just put shooters in my boots. <laughs> I put shooters in my cowboy boots and just let her eat. And that's every every touchdown, I'll just take a shooter. Nice. That was what it was. So, all right, guys. Well, that was the Q and A. Remember to pay the fee, share it out, leave a review. If you want to pick up some Barton Talk merch, we got it in the link in the description. And also submit those questions at barntalkshow at gmail dot com, and we will get them on our next Q and A. So we appreciate. I'm going to take this card out of the caster and head right over and start editing so i can get it out to you by friday yeah this is going to be a fresh right off the press so we appreciate every single one of you guys and we love you and we'll see you back here for another episode (laughs) 